to the Fordland Christian Center podcast. This week, we hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on Stronger and the Lead Pastor. Now here is Pastor Bill. I'm going to read from two scriptures this morning, and uh, we are going to uh, look in a passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and then I'm going to have you go to the Old Testament And I'm going to have you um, also look at Jeremiah chapter 3. Christelle Bean is at the piano. And I'd like you to listen carefully. I want you to hear something. She's going to play a little bit. I want you to hear her play this these few measures of music. Did you hear that? Did you hear what she just did? Okay, you say, I'm not sure. Okay. She modulated from one key to another. Did you hear that? Let's try it again. I want you to listen to it. I want you to hear it very carefully now. Go ahead. Modulation in music, that's what she just did. She changed one key, went to another. And she did a fabulous job, don't you think? Modulation is intended, modulation is intended to bring inspiration. It's intended to lift you from where you were to something new. Uh, Generally, in in music, when there's a modulation, it's intended to to help build the spirit of the moment, right? And generally, it goes that way very smoothly. Sometimes, however, perhaps you've been in a gathering where some musician was supposed to modulate and they didn't. They didn't transition very smoothly. Uh, Many years ago, Joy and I were asked to sing uh, together. That's many, many, many years ago, we were asked to sing together. (laughs) And uh, we were fairly new at this church, and uh, the place was full and fine musicians and so on. So we rehearsed ahead of time. And the song we sang halfway through modulated, it changed keys, it went up to build the enthusiasm of the moment. And so we came to that part as we were invited to sing, and we started in, and everything was smooth. The pianist was an outstanding, celebrated pianist, and uh, he wasn't real familiar with the song, so he had music in front of him. And um, when it came time to modulate, to transition into a higher key, Joy and I went as we had rehearsed. The pianist, however, had flipped the wrong page and was in the wrong key, and I don't know what it was in both of us, neither one of us would give up. And we, we went through the rest of the song, Joy and I singing in one key and the pianist singing in another key. The modulation was not very pretty. 
And oh, I'm sure it blessed the folks that night. They just went home saying, wasn't that wonderful? God was in the presence of that song. And it uh, was rather awkward, really, and uh, sad. And I'm sure the pastor questioned whether he should have had a sing or not. And we questioned whether we should have had that pianist, as celebrated as he was, even actually play for us. It might have been better without him. Uh, uh, by the way, it's nice to have a lady here this morning who modulated so well and saved my bacon on many occasions. Anna Snyder is here in the service this morning. For those who don't know Anna, at 11 years old, she began playing the organ in this church. And uh, I'll, I'll say as many decades ago, and uh, a certain center of that time of playing here at this church, there were times when I modulated and she helped me find where I was supposed to go. Thank you, Anna, for being here today, and thank you for playing for us for those many years. Modulation sometimes, transitions uh, sometimes can be awkward and clunky. They sometimes can make you feel a little like, okay, I didn't catch that. I'm, I'm in the wrong key. They're intended, however, to help us have the inspiration. And over the last 13 months, by the way, this is my one-year anniversary as your interim pastor. Isn't that something? One year. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> we started an adventure together uh, just a year ago, and um, it was an adventure that uh, we knew would require that we trust in God in a fresh way, in a new way. One of the most common questions my children used to ask when we took road trips was, how much further? And I would always respond the same way, one more mile. And perhaps like you, there have been many people, as some of you perhaps have had people question you, and this, this question has come to me every time I'm with a group of leaders, and every time uh, I, uh, I'm out and about, they say, well, has Portland Christian Center got that perfect pastor yet? And my response is one more mile, one more mile. We're not quite there yet, but we're closer than we used to be. And um, I, I'm pretty excited about it. Do you realize, listen, do you realize that um, Portland Christian Center hasn't gone through a transition like this except twice in 35 years? And totally in the history of this church, only 13 times. 13 times. Now, my dad pastored a wonderful church in Seattle, and there were scores of photos on the wall when you walked into the lobby of the church. And I remember walking over and I said to my dad, well, what, what's all, what are all these photos? He said, these are all the pastors the church has had in its history. And it wasn't maybe 75 years old. And there were scores of pastors and I walked up and they had their name and how long they were there. One year, two years, one year, two years, three years. Oh, he must have been really good. Uh, two years, one year, five years, five years. Man, he was amazing all the way to my dad who was there for almost 20 years. And there were all these different time frames. So when you think about transition, uh, if you're used to it on a regular basis, then it's, it's not a big deal. But if you haven't done it a lot, sometimes it takes longer than it would perhaps for some other ministry. 
And Portland Christian Center has been through this wonderful transition. And actually, if you want my opinion, and I'm sure you do, if you want my opinion, this has been a good thing. This last year has been good for us. It has been good for each of us who are part of this church. Some of you I've met today again that just started coming in the last year or the last few months. We welcome you to this process of transitioning and praying, Holy Spirit, lead and guide us in the way we should go. And you know what? He has been doing that. In that transition, since we haven't done it a lot here at Portland Christian Center in our history, in that transition, it takes some time for the Lord to help us figure out what does he want for us as we move forward. I want to commend the pastoral team, many of them sitting here, some of them serving in other places. They have done an extraordinary job in this last year walking with them has been an inspiration and a real joy, and it'll be a highlight of my life. And I want to commend the board and all of those who've been part of the pastoral search team who've spent countless hours seeking the Holy Spirit. Now, let you understand, of all the people that perhaps they have looked at, they're all good people. You understand? We, we wouldn't even have considered their name, but they're all good people. But we, wouldn't, we didn't want just the good person. We wanted the right person, right? We wanted what seemed right to the Holy Spirit. Now, we weren't looking for perfection, and you shouldn't be looking for perfection. I know a lot of pastors, and they're not perfect. I, I don't want to point out their flaws, but none, I've never met a perfect pastor yet, and you're not looking at one. Uh, there, there are days when I don't polish my shoes, and there are days when I don't have my devotions, and there are probably days when I should have prayed before I said something. Uh, Joy has reminded me that on a few occasions. So uh, I just want to say that there are no perfect people, but there are the people who God puts in place for the right time, and we're grateful for the work that these leaders have uh, made. And in a, in, a, in a few moments, you're going to hear from the recommended selected candidate that is uh, going to be presented to you as members next week. So that's something you should wait for in a few moments. But I want to read these verses. Ephesians chapter 4. So Christ himself, verse 11. So Christ himself gave. Everybody say, for Christ himself. For Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God because mature, uh, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow. This is uh, referred to, and I spoke about this last summer, this is referred to as the five ministry gifts. So everyone here, that person sitting next to you has a gift that God's given them. And in addition to all of us having some kind of motivational gift often referred to, and if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have the gifts of the Spirit accessible in and through your life. But there is also a, another list of gifts, and we just read them. They're called the five uh, ministry gifts of Christ. These are gifts of people to a local church. And each of them have their distinct ministry and purpose. So not everyone has been called to be in one of those ministry gifts. But because God loves you and because he loves me, he's given us these five gifts 
to minister to us and to be a blessing to us. Now, I have to frankly say that sometimes there are individuals who have multiple gifts. In other words, they may be uh, a pastor, but they also have an evangelistic heart, which means they have a desire to reach people that are lost in a very passionate way beyond what we all should have. Or there are those who are pastors and apostles. And what we mean by apostles is they're pioneers. They have an ability to lead with a vision for something that's not being done. Or they're pastor teachers. And a lot of people love pastor teachers. They perhaps may even sit on a stool and just teach the word of God. And they, they love the people. But the most important thing is that these are gifts from God. And I'd like to zero in on just being the pastor since in a, a few days, you're going to, many of you, be part of a selection of a pastor. Let me just give you a, a few guidelines uh, that I observe as we read through this for a moment. On the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, and by the way, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, as we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the local church in Jerusalem, on that day, it was very, very clear that the Lord would raise up shepherds or pastors who would be spiritual oversights. And in fact, the word pastor is only used a few times in the New Testament, but the word shepherd is what it actually means in the Greek text, which all of you were so anxious to find out about, uh, but it means spiritual oversight. So where the church gathers, there needs to be governance, and governance is given through the leadership of the local pastor. Now, I recognize in the day you and I live that there are various forms of gatherings of believers. We in this church have community groups, and some churches uh, encourage home groups and all those things, and I think that's wonderful. But there is something about the body of Christ coming in together as part of the larger body of the church. We experienced something this morning in worship and communion that is generally only experienced in this environment. Where there is a gathering, there needs to be governance. And so Jesus said, in order to govern the church, let's raise up pastors who will oversee the local church. Several years ago, a grandmother brought her little granddaughter to church here. And on the way, it was kind of like reminding her, she said, we're going to God's house. This is an exciting day. It's Sunday, and we're going to go to God's house. And all the way, that was in her mind, this little girl's mind, that they were coming to God's house. And she was so excited about coming to God's house. And they arrived, they walked down the hallway here, and they, they looked through the window. They got here very early. And I was up here on the platform, uh, just kind of uh, rehearsing and praying about the day. And uh, the little girl looked through the window right out here, she pointed at me, and she said to her grandmother, is that God? And the grandmother said, no, that's the pastor. Well, I want to tell you right now, pastors are not gods. We've heard about a few of them in the press recently who thought they were God, and they messed up really, really bad. They're not God, and they're not perfect. But this is God's house, and he raises up pastors to lead us. Now, I want you to go right down to... to uh, Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. Jeremiah 3.15. I want to tie these two verses together. 
Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart. This is really an important verse. Who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. So the oversight of a pastor. The oversight of a pastor. I will give you shepherds or pastors, as one version says, after my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. I, Joy and I have had the privilege of serving under the oversight of seven lead pastors in our 50 years of service. Wonderful men and women of God. Uh, some of them were visionaries. Some of them were managers. Some of them had great pastoral skills. Others had great public preaching skills. Others were were seeing what was ahead. Others were just managing what was present. Uh, they all poured into our lives what to do, and in some cases, maybe what not to do as a leader. I, I once sat down and calculated that I have walked with over 300 associate pastors during those, uh, those years of service in that capacity here and in the other places we serve. Now, in my role, it's much different, and I'm with hundreds of pastors. In fact, tomorrow morning, I get on a plane. Aren't you excited about that? And uh, I fly to Springfield, Missouri. Aren't you really excited about that? And I'm going to sit in three days of meetings. Aren't you really, really, really excited about that? Yes, I am. And uh, so I'm going to fly, and I'm going to sit with some premier leaders. All of them are pastors. I sit in awe of them. I sit humbly before them because they're so brilliant and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon their lives with insight and wisdom and knowledge and input. And I sit there uh, just to say, why am, I in this, why am I in this room? This is an amazing thing. I have been blessed to have been part of all of those things. Uh, my dad and mom were pastors for 50 plus years. My grandparents were pastors. My great-grandparents were pastors. So I guess you could just say I lived in a pastor's home all of my life. I've been around. And here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you a secret. Lean in real close. I never met a perfect pastor. I never, in all of those years, in all my experience. But I want to give you five C words that I think are significant in a true, authentic pastor. So are you ready? First one, a true pastor is called of God. A true pastor is called by God. We just did a significant historic moment here on this platform as we ordained Heather Lewandowski. Did she come up here because she couldn't get a job somewhere else? Did she come up here because she said, I want to be a pastor one day? She came up here because God stirred her heart and called her. And this is what Jeremiah 3, 15 says, then I will give you shepherds. I will give you pastors. In other words, I will call select pastors and I will bring them. The office of a pastor is a calling. It's not a calculated plan. Those who've attempted to calculate and position themselves to be lead pastors or associate pastors generally don't last very long. But those who are called by God will go through the fire. They'll go through the mountaintops and through the valleys. They will stay the course. They will know that God called them, and you can't get away from God's call. You may be like Jonah, 
and want to get on a boat and go the other way, and some have tried, and God chases them down. The call is a, a call of authority upon your life from God alone. Young, young Timothy, as we made reference to earlier, received a letter from Paul, who was a pastor. Timothy was a pastor. And the encouraging words, and Paul was describing his own call, because sometimes God calls the unlikely to be pastors. And this is what he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me. It goes on to say, appointing me. They moved the words too quickly, and I've got to find my place now, so I'll find it, just proving that we're not perfect. Appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a, a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul said, I didn't deserve to be called. Now here, I want to pause right here for a moment. Every one of us in this room have been called to do something for the Lord. Every one of you. You have been called. God has called you to follow him, and he will lead you to minister. And in fact, some of you are pastoring in businesses, some of you are pastoring in the workplace. Some of you are pastoring in school. Some of you are pastoring in your neighborhood. You don't have the official title. You haven't been ordained, but God has called you to be a minister in that environment. That's why we need pastors. And I thank God for every pastor who has equipped me, who has prepared me, who has spoken into my life to help me serve in some capacity with the people who God has called me to serve. And every pastor has a story. I, I don't know what their stories all are. I don't know what your story is, but I know my story. That moment at 18 when I was in Elko, Nevada, and uh, feeling like I had really drifted and realized I was so self-centered and it was all about me. Uh, when I had an encounter with the Lord and I recognized that an encounter with the Lord helped me to recognize that God had a plan for my life that I didn't even consider. In fact, I was the furthest thing from my mind. I still remember as a teenager sitting in church on Wednesday night listening to my dad teach the Bible. And I said to myself, I will never do this. I will never do this. I will never do this. And here I'm doing this. Here I'm doing this. Why would a I'll never do this change to I'm doing this? When God speaks to you and he puts his hand on your life and says, I have placed you for such a time as this to do this. So every pastor, every true pastor, the candidates that your search committee have looked at have all been called by God. But I want to give you another C word, and that is commission. True pastors are commissioned by God as well. Notice that it says, then I will give you shepherds. There's, there's an action there where he is actually Sending. So not only does God select, but he sends. Not only does God call, but he commissions. So when you come to Jesus as your personal savior, wherever it might be in your car, maybe out in the backyard in a lawn chair somewhere where you just realize, I, I have an encounter with God and I need to get my life right with the Lord. Maybe it's as a result of a failure. You come to the conclusion that if, if I'm going to relead my life, it's, this is the direction it's going to go. But if I turn to the Lord, 
maybe he'll turn this thing around, and he does. He not only calls, but he commissions. In other words, he sends whom he will. And in the local church, we see that God selects various ones for such a time with certain gifts for such a time. And this is what's very exciting to me about Portland Christian Center. This is a perfect time. This is a perfect time for God to bring a spiritual awakening and revival in this community. And this is a perfect time to reach a younger generation that have not yet been engaged. I think that's one of the things that always amazes me about reading the Bible, is that the Lord raises up someone to take on a new generation. And so he says to Jeremiah, I will give you shepherds. Tell the people, I'm going to give you pastors. And then he says in Ephesians, Paul says, he, he call, gives pastors. He gives pastors. And he will raise up and he matches gifts with need. When we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and confirm, we always recognize matching need with the gifts that are given. God sends the right person at just the right time. And when I think of the history of this church, the 98 years going on, 100 years of existence in this city and in the three major, perhaps four different locations, I recognize as I look at the list of ministers, some of whom I don't know, only by, but by name, but I think of Pastor Walker, whose children still come to this church, whose grandkids were in my youth group, I think of Pastor Walker and the vision he had with the gifts for the right time. I think of Indy Davidson, who was a visionary and he was a, he was a general of a leader and had the ability to relocate and rename the church. I think of Jim Swanson, who was here and helped construct this facility and lead the church through a major transition from southeast to southwest. I think of these veterans who came at just the right time. And I realized that it wasn't only a call, but it was a commissioning to reach the generation that God raised them up to reach. So I read in 1 Timothy 3, here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. That's great. Now the overseer must be above reproach. And then Paul lists for Timothy all the qualities that are necessary in being a pastor, including things like self-control and respectability and hospitality and able to teach and not a lover of money and managing his own family well, and the list goes on, not a recent convert, and uh, then uh, a good reputation, a good reputation with outsiders. This is why I, I can commend the board and you can have the assurance that as they did research and due diligence, they looked at the reputation of those individuals and specifically the recommended, recommended, uh, recommended, recommended, there's a probably make up a new word, recommended, <laughs> recommended. I'm just showing pastors aren't perfect, right? The problem is you already knew that, okay? You already knew that. Yeah, yeah, we'll help him with his words. Uh, that's good. They went through all of that and they looked for references. They, they talked with people who knew the individuals. They, they uh, did research. And because they wanted to make sure that this list in 1 Timothy was being fulfilled. So commissioned. 
So back in 2007, just before Joy and I accepted that uh, role of the network oversight, uh, the superintendent, as they refer to him as the bishop or whatever you want to call, lead pastor, as I refer to it, uh, for Oregon in the Assemblies of God, uh, some, a lovely family in this church were getting ready to relocate, and the husband had the Taylors, there was their name, they had, he had a huge map of Oregon. Uh, I don't remember, maybe it was huge. Anyway, it's big. And he told me that his wife wouldn't let him take it with them to their new home. They were relocating another state and, and put it on the wall in their house. And he said, would you be willing or would you like to have it? I said, absolutely. So for many years, I had it in my office. And when people would walk into the office, to my, my specific office uh, in beautiful downtown Brooks, uh, we, I, I would show them, this is my mission field. This is our mission field. And I'd point out Oregon. And I learned a lot by just looking at that map because two-thirds of Oregon is high desert. There's not a lot of people live out in some of these places, not compared to the I-5 corridor. And then I would talk about different pastors who were commissioned to do different kinds of ministry. For example, I'd talk about the cowboy rancher pastor who drove around with a, 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 a horse trailer in the back of his truck big diesel truck, and he would minister to ranchers and farmhands and, and cowboys. Um, and Joy and I actually went to the Mosquito Roundup. They call it Mosquito Roundup for a reason, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> and there is the pastor on a horse with a headset on, preaching on a Sunday morning to all of these rodeo guys standing around hearing the gospel and he was pastoring them. And then afterwards, they came and shared how these people came and shared their stories, accepted Christ, were baptized in water. And that, that's, I'd never thought about that. I never thought about being a cowboy pastor. Then I, I've, I've met the pastor who works with street kids. His audience isn't as refined as we are right here this morning. Most of them come from broken and disrupted lives, and, and nobody has spoken positive into their lives. And here's a pastor ministering to street kids. Two weeks ago, I met with Teen Challenge leaders, and there, there's pastors meeting with those who succumb to the addictions of a variety of chemicals in their life. Their lives are a ruin, and they're there pastoring them. And many of them stood, introduced themselves, and said, I came into the program, and now I serve in this program, helping others, pastors. Pastors in traditional churches. Pastors in communities where the mills have closed down, but they've stayed the course. Pastors where communities are exploding with growth, and they're trying to reach. We've, we've planted five new churches in the last year in Oregon in communities that uh, desperately need a Pentecostal witness. And young pastors have gone. We've had interim pastors like myself serve for periods of time to help churches in transition. We've had youth pastors, and on and on the list goes. God calls, but he also commissions. And let me suggest another C for you this morning, is true pastors communicate with God. And I will give shepherds according to my heart. How do you know the heart of God? How do you know the heart of God for your life? What are you looking for? You're looking for a pastor who knows the heart of God for such a time as this. Every church, specifically this morning, Portland Christian Center, deserves a pastor 
who clearly can stand in front of you and you know he knows the heart of God. He communicates with the Lord. There are three things that we look for when it comes to pastoral selection. Today, these, this, uh, the pastor that communicates with God will qualify in these three areas. First of all, Bible engagement. Bible engagement. They know the Word of God. They study the Word of God. They preach the Word of God. Spirit-empowered. They are not just chief executive officers of an organization that uh, manages two, three billion dollars a year, but they are leaders who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they walk and live in the Spirit. And, and they are mission-focused. It's not just about building their kingdom. It's about the Great Commission. It's about going into all the world and preach the gospel. And how does that happen? It happens with somebody who learns to walk with God, to hear God speak, and to, uh, to know the heart of God, as it says here. Now think about this for a moment. Moses was 80 years old. 80 years old. When God called him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. 80 years old. Now to get a picture of what this must have been like, I want you to envision taking a dozen five-year-olds to Fred Meyer by yourself and walking down the toy aisles of Fred Meyer and then taking them over to the candy aisles with all the good stuff on the lower shelves and then saying to them as you walk through, don't touch anything. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it was like leading the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. And sometimes as pastors, we, we, we recognize that this is a challenge. This is why the Bible says that God said to Moses, I want you to come up to the mountain and meet me there. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what to say and what to do. I'm going to speak to you. I will give you what you need. This is why it's important to communicate. There isn't a week that doesn't go by that there isn't something that comes your way unless you're hiding in the closet and never come out, that you wonder, what do I do now? How do I handle this? I got a text last night about 11 o'clock in the evening from a pastor. Joy won't allow me to respond till if it's after nine. So I don't do that, or eight now, maybe it is. Um, anyway, in the evening. But could we talk? Because I had a board meeting and it didn't go so well. The first part was good, second part didn't go so well. What do I do now? These are the moments in which you need to hear from God. And you may not have to lead a board meeting. And let me tell you, the board here is fabulous. They don't have these kind of meetings. But uh, some do. But it may not be leading a board meeting. It may be just going through life. Tomorrow, there's going to be something that comes up. And you're going to say, Lord, what do I do now? This is why it's so important to communicate. And we look for pastors to communicate. A true pastor, here's the fourth C. Are you ready? Does this make sense to you? A true pastor cultivates the people. I will give you shepherds who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. True pastors have a deep, deep desire and a deep love to make sure that you grow in your faith. That you're not the way you were last month or last year or when you first came to Christ, but that you are maturing in your faith. Maturity takes time. We had the privilege of being with our family this last week. 
uh, to celebrate our 50th and uh, all the kids were there. And the one thing that struck me is I have pictures on my phone uh, of just like two years ago when the, the kids seemed so young and all of a sudden now they seem so mature. They're making major decisions. They're, they're teaching me some stuff. They're giving me proper terms. Like sick is good. Dirty is good. Like that's fabulous. That's dirty, Grandpa. Wait, what are you talking about? That's, that means it's good. They're teaching me. But more importantly, they're maturing in their faith. And like Luke, our oldest grandson, you said, I'm just seeing what God is leading me to do with my life. Or I am praying. Or thank God eighth grade is over. <laughs> Maturity, cultivating the people. I will give you shepherds who lead you with knowledge and understanding. They're looking for depth, and you are. You want somebody who stands here and rightly divides the word of truth. I'm looking for pastors all over this state who will preach the word of God. In the face of political opposition and uh, social uh, failures, uh, the one thing is don't get caught up with all the political stuff. Stay, what does the Bible say about living today? In Ephesians 4, it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. There is a lot of scheming going on, I'm just telling you right now. Um, some sad stories of recent days of schemes. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become a very, uh, every respect the mature body. Let me read that again. Instead, speak the truth of, in love. We will grow to become a, in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. So your, your pastor is going to comfort you at times in what he preaches and teaches. And sometimes he's going to say, he's going to say things that are going to convict. Everybody say convict. convict. Doesn't that word just even make you feel uncomfortable? Convict. I'm convicted. I thank God for conviction. I thank God that the Holy Spirit moves in my life and convicts me and says, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? This is not the right way to go. I'm grateful that your pastor will instruct and inspire you. Your pastor will direct and develop you, encourage and empower you, stretch you and strengthen you, and love and care for you. That's what's been the desire of the leadership of this church in searching for that pastor for such a time as this. So as I went through my notes and thought about what God had laid on my heart, I felt like there was something missing. There's one thing that was missing. And I said in my office at home last night, and I, I wrote this down, and I asked the tech crew to throw it up there because the final C, the true pastor connects with the community. True pastor connects with the community. He understands that he's not just called to a building. He's not just called to a family. He's called to the community. This is our mission field, right outside, mission field. Single moms trying to raise kids outside this wall, these walls. Broken people, kids caught up in religious 
activity online or other activities. People who are around us who are religious, religious, they have titles for themselves or groups that they're a part of who need Jesus. Understanding the heartbeat. And I love the fact that Portland Christian Center has raised up people for community care days and Royal Family Kids Camp and ministry at the door and prayer groups and people are visiting people who are shut-ins and on and on the list goes and it will continue to grow because we want to connect with the community. I want Portland Christian Center to be known not just as the church on the hill, but a church that cares for its community. Amen? Amen. Well, in this season, it's no surprise to God. He knew that a year after I said I'd come and spend a few weeks with you, that I'd still be spending a few weeks with you. He knew all that. That's been a joy. I'll tell you what, it's been a highlight for Joy and I. It's just been a thrill to be able to do this. And, and uh, over the next few days, you're going to have the opportunity to meet uh, an incredible young couple who we've grown to love. And uh, this morning, before you see them on the screen to greet you, I'd like to pray with you this morning. Because I believe that some of you need to really give your life back to Jesus and let him call you to something more than what you're doing. And this is the prayer I would encourage all of us to pray out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Take me where you want me to go. Use me in the way you want to use me. From this day forward, I'll follow your lead. In Jesus' name. And I felt like I should say thank you. All of heaven rejoices. Uh, I don't want to just zero in on one particular generation, but there's some of you sitting right down here in front of me that I believe God has called you to be pastors. And I want to encourage you. It's not always easy, but it's very rewarding. And when you're in the will of God, there's no better place to be. You don't go to be a pastor to make a lot of money, I'll tell you that right now. But if you want to know what it is to see miracles happen when you don't have what you need and God provides, go into the ministry. Don't just go because you couldn't get a job doing something else. Go because you know God's called you. And some of you who are maybe a little uh, more mature in your age, don't be surprised if God taps you on the shoulder and asks you to do something you've never thought you would ever do before. I'd like you to just look to the screen as an introduction for your week ahead of you, the next few days. I'll have some closing comments and looks like I finished before noon, so that's good. All right. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com. Or join us for our live streams at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.